chapter three of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three what happened in the music room lady hildegarde led the way through corridor after corridor until the girl following with beating heart behind wondered if the way would ever cease at last she paused before a pair of huge oaken doors which time had blackened turning she gripped her companion by the wrist a malevolent something came into her face which did not tend to increase its beauty although she spoke beneath her breath her voice was harsh and cold and full of significance take my advice don't have too many eyes for bianchi we are not all such fools as you suppose before madeline could even attempt to guess at the meaning she intended to convey lady hildegarde had opened one of the doors and the girl had followed her into the room beyond madeline found herself in a room of such unusual dimensions that she found it difficult to realize that it could be a private apartment at all there was room enough to seat some three hundred persons in comfort a gallery ran all round it in this gallery at the further end facing the door through which she had entered was a splendid organ whose gilded pipes gleamed in the uncertain light which stole through the painted windows the keyboard was illumined by a single incandescent lamp in front of it leaning with one hand on the gallery's edge a man was standing coming from the light into the partial shadow madeline's eye was at once caught by the electric star which shone in front and so it chanced that her glance rested for a moment on the man who stood between it and her in that brief instant it seemed as if he had made her a signal to say the least of a curious kind he raised his right hand pressed his fingers to his lips and seemed to waft towards her a kiss she might have placed upon the gesture a false construction or it might not have been meant for her at all but the seeming was so real that she felt the tell-tale blush mounting to her cheeks the man's action whether the interpretation she placed on it was right or wrong did more to set her senses in a whirl than all that had gone before some seconds elapsed before she realized that lady hildegarde had led her down the room and that she was standing before someone who was regarding her as if she were a sort of chattel well said a voice so it's you the sound of this voice roused her to some sense of her surroundings she woke to find that before her in a plain straight-backed oak armchair was seated an old lady so old that she felt that it would be vain to try to guess from appearances only how old she was bent almost double her chin hung forward on her breast her scanty hair was white as snow her face was so wrinkled and so shrunken that it was hard to realize how it might once have looked she was so thin as to be little else than skin and bone the bones on the withered hands which rested on 
either arm of the chair were articulated like a skeleton's and yet in spite of her decrepitude there was that about her which suggested that one looked on a great lady the eyes seeming scarcely dimmed by the passage of the years shone with the light of authority her voice weak and querulous though in truth it was was the voice of one accustomed to command there was that in her bearing which suggested that she had lived all her life in an atmosphere of deference she addressed madeline a second time her keen eyes seeming to pierce her like a gimlet is that all you have to say for yourself and to me the girl's senses reeled it was all she could do to keep herself from tottering this she presumed was the countess of staines that terrible old lady of whom mrs singleton stood in such tragic awe to appease whose wrath she herself was here and in such a terribly false position what was she to do to say old though the countess was and madeline told herself that she looked at least a hundred it was obvious that hers was not the sort of age which could be easily deceived little would be likely to escape that intensely scrutinous vision that she expected an answer was plain yet what sort of answer was she supposed to give what was miss dorincourt's fashion of addressing her while she hesitated the old lady waxed impatient are you tongue-tied you are not wont to be what is the matter with you girl speak to me compelled to an instant decision madeline resolved to be herself as natural as she could be a faint blush mantled her cheeks as she met the other's glances thank you there is nothing the matter with me i hope that you are well so soon as she had spoken she felt that in some way she had blundered there came a sudden flashing in the old dame's eyes which was like a beacon light she seemed to regard the girl more keenly than ever it is not your habit to make inquiries as to my health but i am like you there is nothing the matter with me madeline felt as if the old lady's glances exercised on her the legendary fascination of the serpent she could not take her own away the countess seemed to be peering into her very soul an interruption from another quarter came as a positive relief we were afraid as you have favoured us with so little of your society of late that you were indisposed the speaker was a man and there was that in his tone which for some indefinable reason seemed to speak straight to the girl's heart for the first time since she had entered what was to her as yet that house of mystery there sounded in her ears a pleasant note with a little start she turned to look at the speaker and as she did so a strange thrill went over her was it imagination or was she really looking at someone whom in some subtle esoteric fashion she had known her whole life long this was no stranger this tall dark-skinned gentleman with the serious face and the scar upon his brow with that scar she had been familiar this many a year yet she had not seen it or him before in the flesh and if not in the flesh then where for there came on her a sudden overwhelming conviction that she knew this man had known him all along as a woman looks to know one man only the one man of her life as she met his eyes something passed from him to her which set her heart a-beating as if actuated by a sudden impulse he advanced towards her with outstretched hand i am very glad to see you 
looking so well thank you you are very kind the words were banal but as his grasp closed on hers it was as though a window in heaven had been opened and her whole frame had been saturated by the effulgence of the glory she was all in a tremor and in the midst of her tremblement the old lady's voice cut in like the rasp of a saw hey day what moods possessed you now as a rule you two are not so emotional another man's voice interposed woman's always changing is it not so cousin have you no mood of tenderness for me this new speaker was on madeline's other hand a handsomer man than she had ever beheld he was tall and carried himself with a rare and easy grace his head was fairly set upon his shoulders he had big eyes of deep dark blue and the sunniest face his voice was soft and musical his manner full of charm and yet madeline felt that she would have given half a dozen of him for the one with a scar he spoke to her as cousin was this the earl of staines was he the man miss dorincourt was in duty bound to marry seeing her silent he persisted in his inquiry am i to take silence for consent will you not give me your hand after this long parting she gave him her hand unwillingly oddly the pressure which he gave it seemed to chill her to the bone he held it for a moment in his regarding her with eyes which in spite of their apparent frankness seemed to her secretive why he said how you have changed whether there really was so or not there appeared to her to be a meaning in his words which turned the blood in her veins to ice again the old lady's querulous tones struck in this time she was glad they did when you have finished this unusual interchange of pretty speeches perhaps you young folks will sit down bianchi's waiting maud sit here madeline finding herself addressed as maud placed herself where the old lady signified in a low chair on her right the handsomer of the two men seated himself on one side a little in front in such a position that he could rake her continually with his eyes the girl wished cordially that he had seated himself elsewhere he with the scar placed himself at her back now and then leaning forward so close to her that she could feel his breath upon her neck the consciousness of his near neighbourhood filled her with a sense of comfort as if he were there for her protection to guard and to keep her the countess struck a bell which was on a little table at her left the man in the gallery who had been a keen observer of all that had taken place bowed with something in his bow could those below only have been aware of it which savoured of mockery turning towards the organ he seated himself at the keyboard and he began to play madeline's temperament was acutely sensitive at all times music affected her as it does nervous organizations here and there the man in the gallery was a master the organ was his chosen instrument he did with it what only a master could nor could he have had a nobler example of its kind to pour out its magic under the pressure of his fingers the girl below listened like one in a vision indeed it all seemed to her to be part and parcel of a vision she realized her surroundings half fantastically as one does in dreams a couple of hours ago a harried toiler in mrs griffith's office and now what now 
was she the chief actress in an up-to-date version of the old arabian tale of the man who was permitted to be sultan for a day the organ to her sang songs of mystery told tales of wonders which by mortal eyes shall never be seen what could have been more in harmony with her own position here she was a puppet not only in another's place but actually in another's clothing an impostor pretending to be someone else and the point of the joke was that she really only had the very faintest notion as to whom it was she was pretending to be the marvel was that the imposture had not been discovered ere now the uncertain light of the place perhaps aided her no doubt the church-like dimness of the chamber assisted her in juggling with the senses of these four people and yet it seemed to her that suspicion had been aroused the searching glances of the countess never ceased to scrutinize her features what was it she sought if it was not evidence of imposture and the man upon her right why were those beautiful blue eyes of his fixed upon her with what seemed laughter in their depths instinct with her moved quickly already she was persuaded that this handsome gentleman was one of whom in any case she would do well to stand afraid he with the scar what he was thinking of she did not know but she had no fear of him the music ceased she sighed the rapture of the rolling chords seemed to have strained her nerves till they were tense as fiddle-strings a voice spoke in her ear how do you love music indeed and i've so little of it so little his tone recalled to her that forgetting to impersonate miss dorincourt she had spoken as madeline orme she was conscious that he gazed inquiringly at her flushing cheeks come round the room with me there is something which i wish to say to you without a word she rose from her seat he fell in at her side together they strolled slowly under the shadow of the gallery her nerves were quivering it was on the tip of her tongue to tell him if he could not perceive it for himself that he was being tricked there was something about this man's presence which filled her with so strange a sense of gladness that it cut her to the quick to think of the part that she was set to play with him you seem changed if his words conveyed reproach or suspicion nothing of the kind seemed suggested by his tone and that nothing of the kind was intended what immediately followed showed and for the better he seemed to speak timidly as if he were afraid of how she would take him you do not mind my saying that you seem to have changed and for the better i wish that you always were like this one might almost think that you had ceased to regard me with aversion regard you with aversion i half involuntarily she gave him one lightning look the enormity of the charge had taken her unawares when he spoke again his voice seemed huskier maud do you know that when you look at me like that you set the blood boiling in my veins you are under a delusion her tone was colder not only did his words recall her to a sense of her position but they woke in her a curious consciousness that her own blood was warmer than it was wont to be you are more like yourself when you speak like that i know you better when your voice expresses the repulsion which i am aware you feel still the fact is as i say that when your eyes do meet mine they turn me dizzy and in some odd fashion which i own myself unable to describe you seem lovelier than ever to-day sir sir has it come to that to call me sir what shall i call you then 
is it quite impossible that you should force your lips to call me conrad conrad the name came to her lips spontaneously not once nor twice but again and again an insane desire seized her to call him by the name which he himself desired but she refrained it would only increase the delusion under which you are labouring if i were to do anything of the kind i suppose it would yet do not imagine that i am under a delusion i am not so silly i am perfectly aware that your present mood is evanescent like all your others there was a bitterness in his words which smote her very soon again you will take no more notice of me than if i were a cur all that i know but your present mood is so unusual and so becomes you that you must forgive me if i desire to make the most of it as i have told you many a time you are in outward seeming my ideal of all that a woman ought to be but never i do believe have i realized your manifold perfection until this hour i don't know how it is i suppose my dear maud it is because i am a dunce but so it is you are under a grotesque misapprehension if you imagine i am perfect in any conceivable sense this outspoken adulation from a stranger made her burn all over he misunderstood her utterly i thought that on that point at any rate you and i were occasionally agreed are you suggesting that i have ever hinted i was perfect he looked at her with something like malicious amusement in his eyes isn't hinted rather a mild word under the circumstances maud are you are you in earnest are you in earnest in your present mood are you really disposed to deny that you have asserted that physically you are a type of the perfect feminine sir sir again what is the meaning of it maud i've known you in how many moods but i confess that in your present one you surpass my comprehension he went closer to her why you're trembling what is the matter with you child they were standing immediately underneath the great organ it was true enough that she was trembling to such an extent that she had to seek the support of one of the pillars which upheld the gallery to help her stand he gazed at her bewilderment concern writ large all over him maud what is the matter with you for god's sake tell me it's nothing i'm only a little faint that's all can you get me a chair the nearest chair was that on which she had been sitting about the centre of the room he rushed off for it as he went the instant his back was turned something came quivering down towards her from above it was a flower a lily in spite of the giddiness which had all at once come over her she perceived quite clearly what it was and as if by instinct she understood from whom it came she knew as surely as if she had seen him drop it that it had come from the musician above her head secure in the conviction that in the imperfect light his action would go unperceived by those who were in the centre of the spacious chamber conscious that she was below him he had suffered it to flutter from his fingers over the gallery's edge so far as appearances went she suffered no sign to escape her that the thing had even been noticed the flower dropped at her feet and there she let it lie and there it still was lying when her late companion returned bearing a chair and accompanied by the man with the beautiful blue eyes this handsome gentleman looked at her askance staines tells us that you feel faint that is not a weakness to which you are often subject he has filled us with concern is there anything we can do for you the speaker's tone in spite of its perfect suavity more than suggested mockery 
she bit her lip as she perceived it was so thank you your concern is quite unwarranted i am better now it was merely a little passing giddiness she seated herself on the chair which the earl had brought her for she realized in the face of the other's words that the man with the scar was indeed the earl of staines as she did so the handsome gentleman's glance was caught by the lily which was lying at her feet he picked it up is this yours she shook her head no i am sorry had it been yours i would have entreated you to permit me to make it mine you are welcome you are very good but since it is not yours one hardly cares to become the possessor of an anonymous flower so we will pass it on to staines he offered it with a mocking gesture to the other the earl in a sudden access of passion struck it from his hand and strode away the other looked after him with laughing eyes there goes his gentle-tempered lordship in a blaze of rage when one is the elder brother one can afford to shower scorn upon the younger he turned his attention to madeline leaning his tall figure against the pillar and looking down at her as she reclined in her chair she thought how handsome he looked and how she wished he was not there the countess struck her bell the sound vibrating through the silent room that's the signal for the performance to recommence how nice it must be to be an organ-grinder of an altogether superior kind and to be instructed by bell when to grind i don't wonder that bianchi finds it a trifle galling there was something in the speaker's tone and manner which told madeline that for some reason or other he expected and intended that his words would hurt her feelings but since as a matter of fact he did nothing of the kind she bore them with a calmness which it was plain surprised him he looked at her as if waiting for an outburst which did not come then he laughed you've tried to scratch out my eyes for less than that what ails you maud do you know that there's something about you to-day which i can't make out at all something queer she was conscious that this man was regarding her with very different eyes to her late companion and that his glance and his intention were alike unfriendly the aversion with which he had unconsciously filled her when first she had heard his voice burst on the instant into flame she returned him look for look resolute that at any cost she would not give herself away to him it is very good of you to favour me with enough of your attention to credit me with differences which exist in your imagination i am not so sure that they do exist in my imagination only that remark is more like your usual self but it is hardly malevolent enough in some curious way you seem softer gentler as if you had had your teeth extracted and your claws well pared were it not impossible i should almost have suspected you of having had a serious illness from which you have returned modified a milder meeker edition of the maud i knew and loved so well have you been at death's door within the last four-and-twenty hours dearest maud and kept it hidden from your friends there was a malicious raillery in his words and tone and manner which irritated her almost beyond bearing the organ thundered overhead but to her this man turned its rare harmonies into hideous discords apply your criticism to some worthier and more appreciative object permit me to listen to the music bianchi's music there was a covert and yet an obvious insolence in the way in which he uttered these two words which made her feel as if she could have struck him she looked at him with eyes which blazed then stood upright no sir not to bianchi's music but to god's 
she would have moved from him then and there had he not caught her by the wrist maud consciously or not he exerted a degree of force in holding her which caused her positive pain let me go you are hurting me and you do you not hurt me every hour of every day you live his manner had undergone a sudden and startling change his dilettante air had given place to an intensity which approached ferocity what do you mean you are bad i shall be mad soon before you've done with me you're one of those women who drive men mad but if i am to be destroyed we'll be destroyed together i give you my word for that will you let me go or am i to call for help what is the matter with you now something was the matter he was staring at the hand he held as if he could not credit the evidence of his own eyesight raising it nearer and nearer to his face examining it all the time with eager intentness as if about it there was something which he esteemed miraculous all at once just as she was beginning to wonder if he indeed had gone mad he transferred his glance from her hand to her face you're not maud he exclaimed i thought there was something and as i live that's it he released her hand throwing it from him with such sudden violence that she staggered backwards sir she cried as with difficulty she saved herself from stumbling sir he followed her hotly eagerly examining her features with eyes that burned you're not maud you're not maud there's a juggle somewhere but you're not maud dorincourt and that i'll swear just then the organ ceased as the last notes died away in murmurous tremors the earl of staines came hurrying forward reginald he exclaimed what are you doing to maud he turned to the frightened girl what has happened what is he saying to you child she stared at him with ashen cheeks and palpitating heart hardly knowing whether or not to appeal to him for aid nothing she murmured nothing the handsome gentleman laughed though there was that in his laughter which hardly suggested merriment what have i been saying to maud why as the lady says nothing my dear man i haven't been speaking to maud at all End of chapter three